child You've been on my mind, girl, since the flood Oh, Ophelia, heaven help a fool who falls in love Welcome to another edition of Michael L. Craver Presents, coming to you on this beautiful evening, Monday, August the 8th, as we're recording here, of course, featured on Spotify, Pandora, Amazon Music, everywhere you get your podcasts, you can get Michael L. Craver Presents. I've uh, taken some time this summer to sort of tell a few stories in written form, Put a few things on the website and put the podcast on the back burner. Just enjoy the sunshine. A lot of farming, getting done, chopping some wood, still carrying some bruises from all of that. Apparently, if you uh, only split wood sporadically, then you can truly feel it in your fingers, in your toes, in your back. In the toes, mostly because... You lift these rather large, I guess they're probably anywhere from 26 to 32 inches in diameter, these rather rather large pieces of of pine that we were splitting. I was splitting. There wasn't nobody else there. Um, And you cut one in half. You, Man, it's so hot. The humidity in North Carolina at uh, 630 in the evening. Still very, very high. The heat index still pretty high. Um, I did cut in the shade, so if, if you're thinking I'm being completely foolish, no, but I, I am cutting on my own. And uh, my father has this very special axe. He calls it the Monster Mall, and it is, quite frankly, it's uh, probably four inches tall and uh, ten inches long. It's it's um, a triangle, right? It's a big metal solid steel wedge um, that is a tool for when you're trying to drive a wedge into a tree, cut it down with a chainsaw, uh, direct where you want a tree to fall. Anyway, he took this solid steel wedge (laughs) and he had someone professionally weld a metal handle onto it. So yeah, if you go to the store, go to your local Lowe's or wherever you do your shopping, you can get uh, an axe, and they range from, you know, smaller sizes, I don't know, 8, 12 ounces. Uh, you know, they don't get as high as the Monster Mall. I mean, it's, <laughs> I remember when I was younger, and this is just part of my life. Uh, my father, if you've ever played baseball, you ever did warm-ups, uh, whenever you're getting ready to, you're on deck, you're getting ready to swing, you really want to loosen up. A lot of guys will take and they'll just hold two bats and swing them from side to side, up over the shoulder, down behind them, you know, stretch out the shoulder blades. You really want to get those um, fluid motions going and pick up your bat speed, okay? So what you do is you swing two bats or, or a bat with a weight on it. A donut is very popular. Um, or uh, some guys use the big metal... Um, weighted attachment, and they'll slide that on their bat. They'll swing it around a little bit. So now the bat's not twice as heavy, but usually you're using a 32 to 40-ounce bat, depending on what age group you're in, and really picks up the weight. And when I say 32 to 40 ounces, that's only two pounds. 
two and a half pounds, three, four with the weight, right? But dad, uh, being eccentric, uh, popped the end off of a metal softball bat. If you've never done any of this, then it'll be foreign to you. But the end of a softball bat has a weighted column in it, and you can trim that weight off to make the bat lighter. Um, you can actually take that out, and there'll be space in the bat. And he poured concrete <laughs> into this uh, softball bat. It had been dented, so it wasn't any good for hitting. But now, it was a warm-up bat. It had concrete, <laughs> and it's extremely heavy. And you'd swing that thing. Man, <laughs> you'd be loosened up. Now you're ready to swing your regular size bat. You feel like a giant <laughs> when you're swinging this thing. Same concept with the Monster Mall. I got a regular axe that I'm over there. I'm doing a little bit of splitting with. And um, I'm going to town. Oh, it's not cutting some of the bigger pieces. It's, All right, well, I got the monster ball beside of me. And I go swing this some bitch. <laughs> if I can, boom. Now, here's the difference. Drastic difference in whether it can get stuck. The monster ball virtually cannot get stuck. It's a giant wedge. So it would plow into the wood and either split it in half, stick in the wood, or otherwise. Now, you use a regular axe, a lot of times it gets stuck. And you got to pry it out, pull it down, jerk it around. So, you know, you can either be jerking off with your regular size axe, or you can use the one that goes right in, okay? And so, God, the language on this program is just so dirty. It's not intentional, though. So anyway, I'm splitting some of this wood. It's rather large. And as you get hotter, you get more exhausted, worn out, your reflexes are not what they used to be. So I would, I don't know if you guys have ever watched Happy Gilmore with uh, Adam Sandler, but he does the, the two-step and then he swings the golf club. He's getting a running start, hopping a skip. Whereas regular guys, especially with in baseball, you plant your feet in the box, you're going to plant your back foot, pick your front foot, boom, step in and, and hit the ball. Well, depending on what hand you're using, but you step in and you can hit it to the opposite field or you can step out, pull the ball. Anyway, those of you who are following along, great. If you're not, essentially what you're doing is closing your stance closer and you hit the ball in a closer direction. So it's just like you're winging it. All right, if you open your stance up real wide, you swing and just tomahawk it. You're going to hit it to what we call the opposite field if you go slight. But if you wind up and you pull the ball, that's when you're hitting it down the edge of the field. If you're right-handed, you're going to be hitting it down the right field line. And if you're left-handed, you just hit it down the left field line. But um, am I getting this backwards? If you're right-handed. Look, the idea is if you... Swing with two feet. You're planted. You've got more balance. You've got stability. That's where you're really hitting with power. And in Happy Gilmore, Adam Sandler, he starts a couple of steps back, and then he hops up and boom! So he's got a couple of, it's almost like a running start, right? All right, well, I sort of did this with splitting wood. I would step back just a little bit, and then... I take one step forward and swing and just blow. As you get 
tired. The swing is kind of the end of your uh, reaction period. And so I remember I hit a couple of them and, you know, split the wood. It would fall down to the ground. I had it hiked up on another piece of wood. So it's, um, it's 18 inches in the air before the, and then it's sitting on top of that. Kind of like sitting on a footstool. So it's propped up. I'm hitting it. I'm splitting it. It's falling off to the ground. But if it falls in your direction, and that's right, it did a couple of times. And uh, yeah, it caught my toes. I got, <laughs> I got some purple marks on the legs, purple marks on the toes. Very unpleasant. But um, I remember at the time, I was so exhausted. Like, it, it stung. It was very, very uh, intense. But I, didn't, I couldn't be bothered with it. So much heat. I was feeling it in my chest. And I'm, you know, so I split wood for probably an hour each night. And then came back inside. Um, well, I drove back home. I was over at my father's split and probably half an hour away. So... What you do is I'd walk the tools back up to his shop several hundred yards away, back down the driveway in the heat. Oh, man, you feel like you're just going to fall down with every step. I felt like, you ever seen Full Metal Jacket? I felt like where Matthew Modine, where Joker is having to hold up Private Pile while he's walking because I'm just going down, you know, with one wrong move. I get in the car, and each day I threw my shirt behind me or a blanket behind me or whatever I had that day. Because I'm just soaked. And I'm, I cut wood with no shirt on um, because the sun is excellent for your skin. Uh, also, burning some calories, burning some weight off. And and I get back home. But you drive home and the wind is down. You get that breeze going. And after two or three minutes and the songs are kicking in, it's heaven, heaven. And my gloves smell like the old cut wood. Oh, I love it. There's nothing like it because I grew up with that uh, years and years ago. And so I welcome that. It's a refreshing um, nostalgia every time that I, I have it in front of me. Sometimes when I'm sad, I just start to sing. What can cheer me up? Customized insurance is the thing. Oh, I can't hold a high note. I got no endurance. But I saved a bunch with Liberty Mutual Insurance. Wherever I go, I help them customize and save. With my pal Limu, come on bud, give him a wave. There's one thing to remember from all my days of rambling. It's Liberty Mutual customizes your insurance, so you only pay for what you need. Thanks for understanding. Liberty, 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 Liberty. As always, a welcome word from our sponsors. Somebody's got to pay the bills. But I am, I'm asked a question. It's almost a comedy of errors. The recurring question of, you know, Michael, you know, here's a prominent voice, you know, I speak on different platforms, I write, of course, from my website, and I've, I've done plenty of independent projects where I do those vanity projects often, but some are for hire, and, you know, I impose the question, like, you know, you do these things with your time, you have this structure, these are your thought processes, you know, your relationship status is single, you know, what? why is that? And it has more to do with, I, I'm a logistically minded person. Uh, my mother is throwing the, the term Asperger's around. There's never been any diagnosis of anything like that anywhere in the family. Autism, ADHD, nothing. A lot of engineering degrees. A lot of 
mathematically minded people. I mentioned earlier my father and the woodcutting, right? He's a man with an organic chemistry degree. He's an inspector for the city. Uh, matter of fact, I think he's the only inspector, not by choice, but uh, by process of other folks uh, leaving for COVID or whatever their life choices led them away and left vacancies. <laughs> so, uh, you know, there's there's people in the tra- in the family who are air traffic controllers and nurses and directors of all kinds of other things. I've got a couple of brothers, right, who work either doing logistics for the Navy, helping design planes. Uh, my bio- Those are my stepbrothers. My biological brother, uh, very prominent position uh, with um, a software company, head of all of their um, application troubleshooting. And <laughs> he, he is um, the world's most technical garbage man, where he takes care of all their all the trash. He straightens everything out and uh, makes it right again. Uh, he is. I, I've often called him the wizard, and and so. You know, those folks, uh, most of the folks in my family anyway, have a significant other. They're married, uh, kids. I, of course, have my children. But I'm at a loss to find... There's no guarantee, right, in spending time going through the courtship process. And so when you have your opportunity to man let's see i can go out in the sun next to what is it 13 acres of cornfield and i can split wood with you know the breeze and turn on a radio and listen to you know a lot of manchester orchestra and kenny chesney and my favorites right so i'm over there swinging an axe and sweating it out and i are you missing uh, understanding, companionship, intimacy, all of those things that roll into the orbital, into the ball of a relationship. I'm thinking of an orb or a, um, you know, like a more, <laughs> I'm thinking of it pictured more like a water balloon because it's so easy to burst. Relationships just, they come and go. But I've not found something that, I don't know, gives me a sense of security where the quality of the time I would spend going through the courtship process or with the other person would lead me to stray from um, the many, many writing projects in front of me. Um, There's an abundance of podcast notes and subject matter that I've never gotten around to. And, you know, in the meantime... Folks ask. There's people who ask to set me up with somebody and all kinds of things. Uh, it's not that I don't appreciate the inquiry or don't enjoy the social uh, maze that you have to go through to, you know, find somebody that you're compatible with. It's very much like a any other science, right? You're trying to find the, the, the formula that's most stable, the one that continues to work, and then you maybe can refine that down to where it's flawless. But I, I've just, you know, in my previous situations where I had a partner who was not financially dependent or they had their own character traits that maybe didn't resonate very high with my desirability scale what what would you do in this situation 
Oh, yeah, that's not, that's not what I would do. You're doing what with your money? Well, that's fine. What, what's your budget look like? You got some extra money in the budget, right? Uh, oh, you're, you're raising the debt ceiling, right? Because we always get on to the government and the Congress, and right? What are you doing? Are you going to borrow some more money? We ain't paid back the old money. <laughs> well, <laughs> let me tell you something. If, you're, my, if Congress doing that from far away doesn't seem like it's going to make you lose your home, uh, I promise you, if I pay all the bills... I'll give you a real-world example. I pay all the bills, right? And you have someone else who you care for and you want to let them, you know, move in and get their feet underneath them. And then, so that's going to eventually, the hope is, they get their feet underneath them. They expand the budget. And so, yes, there will be a uh, an infiltration period. That sounds more like war, doesn't it? We're going to infiltrate. Um, but, yeah, <laughs> I'm thinking of it like war now. Uh, there's the infiltration, and then the occupation, and then the terms of settlement. Sometimes somebody feels like a prisoner of war. But, yeah, I don't know that these are the most accurate things, but they sound animated, right? So, I own home. I allow partner to stay in the home. Don't they... Don't add to the budget. <clears throat> so the budget is bigger, but they're not including any of their resources in the budget. Michael, it sounds like you're taking on more responsibility and more debt. Yes, I I am taking on more responsibility. I have the money to, to still, you know, do what needs to be done. But if you are not showing promise and progress, we need to reevaluate the situation. And either you can move out to alleviate what you're adding to the budget, or you can participate. And we'll have a family or a couple's relationship budget, right? You put in this amount of resources, and I put in this amount of resources. Now we can do more because together we have greater resources than just me. That's great. That's good. But that's not what happened. And so when you put it into those terms, I think it's easy for somebody to understand. Hey, I had two apples because I'm hungry and I need this many calories. And here is Cecilia is the, the famous character from Simon and Garfunkel's song. <laughs> oh, Cecilia. Um, Cecilia comes over and I'm going to share one of my apples with her. Well, now I'm, now I'm not beating on my calorie intake. Where are we going to get some more apples? We'll send her out to find Two more apples. Didn't she bring some of her own apples? Didn't she? No. Well, then we're all going to end up, you know, struggling for a little while or adjusting to uh, doing without is what we're going to do. Because you have two people who could provide a larger sum of apples, <laughs> but only one person's producing enough apples for us to just kind of get by. And, right? And if, you, if you're not looking at it in terms of those, like, second-grade math problems... Where it's just a little word problem. The family had $2,000 in their budget. The family conceived a set of twins. The family continued to have $2,000 in their budget. The family went to the poorhouse. That's what happened. Because they decided to make these investments in these children. And then they increased their budget to 
um, cover the cost of the children. I mean, it's, it's very simple for most people to think in those terms if you put the information into those terms. But for so many folks, when you go to the, the well and you're talking about relationship, all they pull up in their bucket is, oh, it's nice to have someone to talk to and rub your feet and open your door and be a friend, et cetera, et cetera. And I do not disagree with all of the fringe and social parts, the sexual parts of a relationship. No one is disputing any of those things. If you live in separate places and you're both putting in, you know, half and you're independent and that person's independent, it sounds to me like when you get together, you're going to have a, you know, cut your expenses in half. You guys are going to increase your quality of life by being together. Not just by having another person, but because your resources will then be greater. <gasps> and that's the way I think of it. It's all logistical. So when I bring up engineering and organization and things like that in my mindset, yeah, that's what it is. That's all it is. I went through a phase when I was younger where I needed to be validated. And I've had some very eccentric stories uh, about encounters I've had with people. And uh, I don't find that to be a strenuous process for me. I don't know why guys have problems getting girls. Number one, there's more girls than guys. Like, you should be able to, right there, pick and choose because you have your act together. What does that really mean? It really means that you make enough money for yourself, you save a few dollars, right? You, you find a trade and you excel at it. Pretty simple. Um, you walk beside of them. Well, guess what? If you walk beside of them and you're on the car side... <laughs> You just open the door, and then you're the distance between them and the door, and they can run the car around you, and they thank you for it. These are simple things. Follow the old, uh, I guess you would say it's some sort of superstition, but if you walk around the pole, you split the pole, you cut your relationship, or you give somebody a knife, you know, it cuts your friendship or whatever. Well, don't split the car. Walk her to her side of the car, and then do the Chinese fire drill, and walk yourself around to your side of the car. Boom. If you're going to walk to your side of the car, do it faster. Walk her to your side of the car. Why would you do that? Well, number one, if she's driving, you can let her in. Secondly, you may walk her to your side of the car so that you can say, hold on a second. You press her against the car, give her a big kiss. Lean her over the car and smack her on the ass. And while she's like, whoa, what just happened here? You're opening the car up and cutting on the air conditioning for the summer. The heat for the winter. I have heated seats in my Honda Accord. You're turning on the heated seats. Chivalrous, right? And playful. I'll never <laughs> understand why people don't just like understand these things. Simple things. No, man, I was checking my phone to see what was on TikTok. Well then you're missing out. Because I promise, if your girl is performing at this level, if you would follow a little bit of this advice, she would perform at a much more involved, let's say, um, expert level. That attention to detail that you put into situations, whether you're doing a household project, whether you're proofreading your writing that you're doing, 
or whether it's choosing your words and actions carefully, is a way to increase the quality. It increases the quality of not only what you put in to your passion project, and I use that word as a triple entendre, your passion project. The extra effort that you put in on the front will be reciprocal. It will come back. It's all it is. It's just taking the few extra seconds you were doing bullshit with and doing something more constructive. Hey, you You said you was going to do the laundry. Well, then you do the laundry. Grab it, throw it in. Make sure that when you're buying laundry, you, you buy something that's got, like, color guard or whatever. You can throw, I don't know why people have problems with this, but you can throw virtually everything into the washing machine together in 2022 if you use a detergent that has some, some OxyClean, some color guard, whatever in there, and it's not going to bleach things through with each other. Now, if you have a problem that you think red's going to fade, and that, then take the reds out. That's fine. But like, there's a very safe amount of effort you can put into anything, which is always better than no effort. You said you was going to do the dishes. The least you could do is stop the sink up, run some hot water with some dish soap in there, soak the dishes, and then go back and do them later if you need to. You know, oh shit, I forgot. We'll get down there the next morning and do them before she wakes up. <laughs> Why is this an issue? Put them in the machine. I know you got to. Sp- you do. You spend extra money to do it in the machine because you have to buy pods and then finishing soap. Or it takes more time and it takes more resources. I do all my dishes by hand um, because, and part of that is because I clean them as I cook. And so by the time that we're eating, the only thing that there is to clean is the plates on the table. <gasps> And yes, I said, as I cook, I mean, this is one of the simple, simple skills that people should have that you can then share with your partner. Oh, come on over here after your long day of work. Sit on the couch. Okay. Hold on and go go preheat the oven for this frozen pizza. Even that would be okay if you go in there and rub her feet and put a cold rag on her head, whatever, and let her just take a 20-minute nap while the pizza's cooking. Simple stuff. Why do people not know about this? I, I guess they would, you know, rather be knowing what the latest, uh, rather be knowing. This is great <laughs> intellectual. They'd rather be knowing. They would rather have the latest trend, fad, social media meme otherwise in front of them for their own amusement uh, or otherwise to, than to have this very, very... Uh, Valuable information for a relationship. Figure out if your girl likes her toes pulled on or pushed down or popped or twisted or rub your fingers between them. Maybe you grab some kind of oil because you're going to rub her feet with those. I promise she's not going to feel like super offended if you'll go buy one of those exfoliators and kind of play with her feet as long as you're not rough and shredding it like cheese. You can do that why you give her a foot rub? Maybe even do it while she's in the bath. And then, guess what? You get to enjoy looking at your girlfriend underneath bubbles, or maybe you get to see it all. But in the meantime, she's getting pampered, and she's getting a bath, and she's getting refreshed and relaxed and 
probably the roles will be reversed. Not completely, like not for every ounce of water that's in that tub is going to end up being an ounce of saliva on you. But you get the you get the exchange right. You go in there, you do something wonderful. <gasps> she may come back and fall asleep. She might. She might wake you up in the morning. And you're like, oh my God, there's a water leak in here. Oh, there's not. Oh, hoo-hoo. And you break your toes because they curl up like elf shoes. Why? Because you took 20 minutes and did something great. Find songs you both enjoy and then run into the bathroom and turn on the Bluetooth speaker or Alexa or whatever. Put a song on. Do what you're doing for her. Let her relax. She doesn't have to talk. She doesn't have to do anything. It's all being done for her. <gasps> Pretty simple. It's so simple. Like, it only takes minutes to be able to do any of these things. The same stuff you would do for your kids. Oh, I got to pack their lunch. If you'd rub your girlfriend's feet for five minutes every day, you'd have a much healthier relationship. One, you can talk while you're rubbing the feet and get out your problems and solve a lot of conversational roadblocks. Two, if you already have great communication, it then becomes a gesture that is then met back with a gesture. She's going to bring you a drink. She's going to do a favor for you. She's going to walk on your back and crack it. Or, you know, maybe she takes the time to, to rub your feet. You never know. Um, everybody's different. So I'm telling you that experimenting in these ways is... <laughs> It's like the most beneficial thing I've ever seen. I cannot tell you that I'm an expert in these matters because as much as I give, I've never seen anything close to 2 out of 10 being the uh, the bounce back. It just doesn't happen that way. You know, hey, come rub my feet before I go to sleep. Okay. And then you, if you date a girl who really needs her mornings to herself, well, <laughs> you're donating that foot rub <laughs> to the girl fund, my friend, because there ain't nothing coming back your way for that. Is it a an easier household? Sure, but that might mean that your household is full of angst or issues with attitude on one side of the relationship, and you're doing these gestures, these acts of kindness for somebody else, this physical touch, that is not going to come back on your side of the fence. They're just accumulating these things. You're not going to see some kind of uh, refund at the end of the year, or whatever it is the IRS does, or a balloon payment is, is an old term for a contract where you, you only got part of it up until the end of the year, and they give you the balloon payment. To They don't ever settle whatever the... The difference is, and that's going to happen in relationships. One person is going to give more than the other person, whether it's 51-49 or whether it's 100 to zero. And the reason that I have been in my, my, my single status for a long period of time, a lot of it has to do with talking. I ask questions, and I would like clarification. I'm not willing to accept um, inconsistency or naivety. So that presents a problem. For instance, when people have started talking about the new Supreme Court change or the, the ruling that, that threw out uh, Roe versus Wade, that became uh, you know something where a lot of people disagree. Um, and so when you get into 
conversations about dating or whatever else, I can just see where that's going to lead to the two of you dancing on the edge of a cliff and probably only one of you is going to make it. That happened when Trump was in office or going to be in office. How do you feel about Trump? Damn, this is like a make or break for a relationship, a date. Like, you ain't getting none tonight. (laughs) That orange-haired bastard. But that's the way it is, you know. So here, I'll take a break and uh, I'll be right back. So then I said to him, you ought to customize your car insurance with Liberty Mutual, so you only pay for what you need. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, um, Doug, can we talk about something other than work? It's the weekend. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Weekends. Weekends are a lot like insurance. Yeah. (laughs) Yep, yep. Hot dog or chicken? Hot dog. Only pay for what you need. Liberty, 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 liberty. You know, so I was mentioning the sort of playoff that comes from these political changes and how that, I mean, it does. It deeply affects the ability for people to even um, pursue a relationship because they feel like they're just, they're in such a disagreement over whatever this issue is. They cannot. Um, accept anything else from you. It becomes uh, like cheating or a lie or whatever else. It's on that level of displeasure. And they just, I am not going to tell people how to think. But in the old days, if you know, if you're not of their religion, they can't date you unless you convert to their religion. So I don't know. Never had that conversation with somebody. Maybe if you converted to their political side of the fence or took up their ideology, maybe they would give you a dinner date or something one day. Maybe, I don't know. Something to think about. But what I'm thinking of specifically is these people get into these very obscure conversations about conception and the statistics on sexual assault and you know these babies belong in this category and this can be terminated and that can't be terminated and here's the time limit and here's how religion plays in and I started saying look 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 there are a lot of inconsistencies in the discussion about abortion one is it legal it's legal where they say it's legal. This is a democracy. At some point, if they decide that you have to wear a bicycle helmet, <laughs> that's the law. It's my body. My choice. Is it? Because the law says everybody's got to wear a bicycle helmet in this situation. It does. Yeah, seatbelt too. <gasps> oh, no. Every restaurant has to have a health score? No. Yeah, that's right. Because when they pass legislation, that then becomes the regulatory stance that we take. And we for lack of a better term, pursue that. That's why you have the judicial system, the legislative branch, and then you have the enforcement side of it too, where a lot of things are just not enforced on a federal level. Marijuana is illegal, but they, you know, states have done their deal. In some places you can just go to town, and some not quite yet. 
An abortion is an elective medical procedure as much as anything else. So there are some states where certain things that you can do to your body are legal and certain things you can do to your body are not legal. But you have this argument that ensues, like, is it your body? Is it a child? No, no, a fetus is a parasite. A parasite? By definition, a parasite is something that's another species, A, not true, B, parasites are always parasites. They don't grow up to become what they were sucking on. It's, not, it's an outrageous thing. Is it some sort of funny thing that somebody could put together for a, an episode on the Adult Swim cartoon network? Yeah, you could put this outrageous idea out there. Watch. Watch, buddy. People are going to believe it. And they just run with it. That's right. A fetus is a parasite. <laughs> Like, it doesn't meet any of the scientific criteria. But because people don't have any interest in science, they're not having that disqualification come in front of them. They're going to, you know, keep going at it. My team is undefeated. Now oh, they lost last week. It was a jip. They got screwed. <laughs> I'm telling you, in the win-loss column, they lost. Parasites have to meet these specific criteria. Fetus is not a parasite. Well, all right. But what about what about people who need life-saving abortions? I've and people are beginning to have that discussion, but I have not been able to. For anybody that wants to do this, you're welcome to email me with the the case, the newspaper article. I've never seen where anybody's ever put anything in print or shared that here is so and so they died because we wouldn't do the abortion. Never seen it. Urban legend. A lot of discussion, never seen it. So if it's out there, I'd love to see it. Please share it. When it comes to things like you have a plan B, can you terminate the pregnancy? I don't know why you couldn't, right? It's an elective procedure. It's been voted legal in different places. Go for it. Here are the inconsistencies. You can kill that fetus up until whatever the law says. Now, if you start disagreeing with that, I'm going to ask you a a simple question, right? Seems outrageous. You can kill your fetus. Yeah. Can I drown my 16-year-old? No. Why? At what point can't I drown him? When does he become a human being? Now, George Carlin has a whole bit on this, and I'll be more than happy to, to put it in here. Well, let's get back to this abortion shit. Now... Is a fetus a human being? This seems to be the central question. Well, if a fetus is a human being, how come the census doesn't count them? If a fetus is a human being, how come when there's a miscarriage, they don't have a funeral? If a fetus is a human being, how come people say we have two children and one on the way, instead of saying we have three children? People say life begins at conception. I say life began about a billion years ago, and it's a continuous process. <laughs> continuous just keeps rolling along. Rolling, rolling, rolling. I say, you know something? Listen, you can go back further than that. What about the carbon atoms? Huh? (laughs) Human life could not exist without carbon. So is it just possible that maybe we shouldn't be burning all this coal? Just looking for a little consistency here in these anti-abortion arguments. Now see, I like the criteria that Carlin comes up with these practical things, right? It, you don't count on the census. I've always often said a pregnant woman and a man don't go to a restaurant, sit down, and go, <laughs> you 
You didn't bring enough bread plates. There's three of us. What the fuck there is? There's you and her and whatever's in her belly doesn't count. He doesn't even have arms. He does have arms. Well, he's not out here to eat. Don't be outrageous. You don't have three people sitting at the table. Why? Well, mostly because the Social Security Administration or no other medical place says you have three people. Here's the problem with it. If your wife is involved in an incident where someone else causes the death of the fetus, there are many places in the world, especially the United States, where that's considered murder. <gasps> murder! That's right. It's murder to kill the fetus. However, you can abort the fetus. Now, follow me on this. I can't kill your dog, but you can take him to the vet and have him put right down. You can stuff him and put him on a shelf. That's a good point. So is the fetus property. It's alive. It can be alive and be property, right? The fetus is, for lack of a better term, your slave. Whatever. Well, if that's true, then just abide by those guidelines and come up with the proper terminology and describe it in an accurate way and say that. The fetus is worth no more to me than cancer cells or transgender surgery or whether I want to do body modification, whatever else. It is an optional piece of a cluster of cells in my body, and I decide what happens to it. Well, that's fine, but then you have to figure out where the point of no return is. All right? At what point is it not yours to make a decision with? And that ought to be the fundamental, as far as I'm concerned, that would be your fundamental um, parameter that needs to be established. Because there's too much inconsistency otherwise. You can kill it, but I can't kill it. All right, well, I, well, uh, gee, why is that? Well, establish it. Talk about it. All these you know, outrageous things that people try to, people with memes, well, that's God's will, and you have to have the baby. That doesn't make any sense. Why would God invent abortion? <laughs> I'm not understanding this. It's the same medical situation that they bring the baby into the world. Now, they're not the same exact tools and doctors, but it's the same field, right? You're in the medical field. You go down, Women's Health Center, Planned Parenthood, whatever, you have a medical doctor, they're licensed, they do the work. And it's done that way, right? It's done by a professional. If you kill your dog, that's against the law. But if you take it down to the vet, the medical doctor, the veterinary doctor can kill your dog. Now, there's an established difference between a medical professional who is licensed and board certified, whatever, to do the work, and another. Why are these people not the ones having the discussion? Because it's my body. Is it? Well, they tell you at what point your body can sit in the front seat, the back seat. Involuntary commitment is something that you're in control of your body until we decide that you have some behavioral, Alzheimer's, mental, other wise aspect that you can't control. And then we're going to collect you and send you down for evaluation. It's your body up until... What about your medical proxy? 
You are unconscious. You're in a coma. Now who's in control of your body? It's somebody else. My loved one. Whoever I designate to be my... Oh. So they could pull the plug on you. Yeah? Well, then why can't they pull the plug on the baby? Because... Hey, wait a minute. It's right. Inconsistency. There are simple things that would need to have a correlative. They need to be able to be parallels in life for them to each make sense. Because as you start undermining one of the processes, which is the same as another process with a different name, whatever defense you give to this crime or this action, let's say action, it's not a crime, not in most places, whatever reason you give to this action, if it's a defense, if it's a way around it, a way out, it applies to many other things. Often what you apply to one can then be taken and borrowed and applied to others. Now you've got a problem. And really, I what I said was quite bold, but if you really believe that abortion should be just legal everywhere and what you're doing is right, etc., etc., go for it. Just do it. Do it by yourself. Find a doctor to do it. Find one of these. Find a doctor who will agree with your cause and do it in spite of and against the law. And so when they prosecute you, put it in front of a jury. Let a jury decide this. And then it can be put in front of an appellate court if it comes down to that. And eventually you can get it back up to the Supreme Court or otherwise because you put it in front of the judicial system. But that's often how things have to happen. Somebody has to defy the law. They have to be able to do something that is going to develop a court, a litigation, a a judicial action. And once it's put in front of those audiences and put through those chains of command, so to speak, then it can be ruled upon and be readdressed as law, as relevant, as otherwise. Now, it's very likely uh, you kill the baby, the doctor kills the baby, they lock your ass up or you throw away the key. But if you believe in it that strongly, do it. Fathers do it, right? He molested my kid, so I blew his brains out. All right, great. Put it in front of the jury. He might walk, he might go to jail. But as people have said, you know, he did the crime, he did the time, so people are going to say he did the right thing. So it's it's in the eyes of the beholder. Um, but in that concentrated audience, whether it's one judge, 12 juries, nine judges on the Supreme Court, whatever it might be, that ultimately will decide how the next round of regulations goes. And it, it's a cycle where, <laughs> unfortunately, uh, for anybody who's just like, <laughs> they're looking for... A society that will never change? (laughs) That's that's not going to happen. There'll be a cycle of uh, social um, discussion and the climate in this country will lead to a particular outcome, which often with climate change, and I mean that quite frankly in all variations, but as time goes on, the climate changes, the social climate changes, the earth has changed. We're just different people. We've evolved or adapted or whatever, whatever we've changed. Uh, and often they're going to give a new ruling and a new law 
and they're going to put it in somebody else's hands. They're going to, you know, add something. They may throw something out. And then we're going to abide by those guidelines until the next time we have, you know, and I don't know, you choose your visual, a solar eclipse or Haley's Comet or whatever um, recurring event. But I get sideways with people in these situations because when you start to have a discussion with people on these subjects, I think, I think, this is a theory, that they often just, you don't know exactly how you feel. It's not black and white. They don't want to have a discussion. They don't want to have a talk. And and they think that you um, are like undercooked or something like that. And it's so strange, but that seems to fundamentally be the difference between things. Like I, I want clarification. I'm going to ask questions, so I'm being patient. Patience is mine. I don't have your same level of stress, veins in the forehead, whatever going on, because I'm still curious. And if you're in one of these positions where you're like, no, this is the way it is, and you can't date people, or you can't accept or get along with people who are on the opposite side of the fence, you can't have a conversation, I would say you've got a level of... um, Confidence. It would be a good word. You have a a level of confidence to work through. That's my alarm going off. Because as I look at it, if you can't have a healthy discussion based on your viewpoint, if you can't share it, defend it, debate it, explain it, I would say it's, it's not a very structured position that you've taken. If you are scared to open it up to questions or scrutiny or otherwise, that's a problem. And uh, as much as I've listened to Jordan Peterson and he talks about writing and so forth being like the number one thing, I, I can tell you that for many reasons I agree with his remarks on this, which is if you feel strongly about something, you should write about it. And you should ask yourself extremely difficult questions so that as you have these things down on paper as a solid idea that you would like to be presenting, as either fact, um, an argumentative piece, something that's maybe going to convince other folks. Um, It's extremely important to address mentally, beforehand, whatever questions may come your way so that you have addressed each of those answers or situations in the prepared piece of literature that you're doing Often I've written about something in great detail and then later I'm talking with someone and they're like, yeah, but what about this? It will always add to your quality of life, to your communication skills and otherwise. If you will go ahead and ask yourself whether what you're saying is intelligent or it's not. If you will go ahead and say, yeah, I I know there's a few flaws in what I'm thinking. Well, then what are the flaws, and how do you address them? How do you explain this? Oh, okay. How do you explain UFOs? Well, and then there's some people who've got a lot of nonsense or maybe even factual information they're going to put in front of you, and then you are going to have to navigate that, you know, if you don't agree with them. 
Yeah. Right? You can accept what they're saying and go, yep, you know what? You're absolutely right. I just disagree with it. Why? You might need to articulate and explain why you disagree. And for me, I don't agree or disagree with any of the abortion stuff. I mean, it, it it's not to take a neutral position, but quite frankly, like if you have something that's legal, I'm going to tell you it's legal until it's not. Well, don't you want it to be illegal? I tell you what you can do. Get a group of people together, put a petition together, and we'll vote on it. That's how the law changes. Call up your congressman, write them, whatever. All this crap that happens on social media, it's not going to change anything. That's not how the legislative or the legal process in the United States works. You put it on a ballot and you vote on it. Or you get with one of your elected representatives and they can write up a piece of legislation and they can vote on it. That's how the law changes. All of this crap that happens between me and you in a conversation is a social discourse. We don't actually change the law unless there's some action, which is not limited to, but is most likely to be me writing up a piece of legislation, getting the signatures, getting it put on the ballot. Me or you. Somebody contacting an elective representative who can put together a piece of legislation and they can vote on it in their level of government. Or you can just do something, and when I mean something, I mean a possible criminal action, and you can test the law and you can put it in front of the court and you can say, that's right, I stabbed him in cold blood. Why'd you do it? Oh, because he did this thing and that thing. Well, Your Honor... And the only thing that will really change the law in those situations is if the jury then finds you not guilty or if there is some process that happens in the course of your trial which then sets a precedent for future cases and, and it is held up through the appellate courts. There's, it's very limited as to what will actually change the law in this country. So all of the discussion is nice and disagreeing with it is fine, but the problem that I've run into so often, and this is not necessarily my issue, it's my issue because I can't find a partner in a lot of situations, <laughs> but if you cannot agree to disagree, or you cannot have a dis- an ongoing discussion, that's right, I love her to death, but she's a damn idiot. If I, well, there's a lot of jokes about old people who have 50-year marriages, and they go, you know why my parents are together? Because neither one of them's ever heard a, a word the other one said. <laughs> they just ignore the other one, whatever it is. And I, how much? How many of you have seen that in front of you? You've experienced it. My one of my favorite family memories. It's my birthday party. I think I'm seven. My grandparents are sitting on my my two grandfathers, maternal and paternal, are sitting on a bench, and um. My grandfather was a lieutenant in World War II. He drove a truck. He's, he's, you know, he spoke to Eisenhower, gave him his walking papers, and you know, went back and worked for the post office. Retired. He had three different jobs. He's a very hardworking farmer. Um, my maternal grandfather has several patents. He's an engineering minded guy. He worked for Lucent before it was AT and T. Was an arm in. Army engineer uh, with audio and, and setting up all kinds of different preparation. Uh, grandfather uh, on the other side, instead of being in audio logistics, he was in 
he drove a truck, right? So he's in supply logistics, let's let's say. Um, anyway, they disagreed <laughs> about whatever it was in 1989. And uh, <laughs> I've always laughed at this because I've never heard my grandfather cuss any other time in his life. Uh, William says, my postal farmer, little more, a little less in the budget, but, uh, that's where I got my family name. My great grandfather is, uh, Stamey Lee. And so I'm Michael Lee and, uh, William's his oldest son. So William's sitting on a bench. My grandfather's at my birthday party. He's talking to my mother's father and as they disagree on this subject he says Howard you're full of shit <laughs> I, I can't help but crack up at it now because they always they never it was it wasn't even a hostile word it was just a it's just the way that older people talked you say something and they say something back and that's just how it goes it's it's that simple and quite frankly I've always loved it because that's how people disagree or how older people disagree. You know, you're a fucking idiot, you know, but you can't say that to people now because when you say that to people now, they lose their mind and consider it like a personal insult. You're not talking about their ideas or the words or the concept. You are talking about them and they take it very personal. And I just don't think of it that way. I've always been involved with either wrestling or something else where... I don't know, there's some theater to it. Or there's at least some level of showmanship. And so, I don't know if that's exactly why he said that in a loud voice at a party. But my grandfather was very passionate about what he said. And um, now everybody remembers it. We all remember it. <laughs> so, I I get cracked up in these situations where like you can't have a discussion about topics that would be very healthy discussions for a, a relationship, right? And I'm not saying I'm going to go make a sign with poster board from CVS and go out there to the march with you because it's not going to do anything for me. What is the march supposed to do? It's supposed to... What's it supposed to do? You're not signing a petition and you're not going to court. You're just marching. You might as well... Might as well we'll all be going for a walk or something. You know? Excuse me. I just... You might as well all be going for a walk or something. He didn't even make any sense to me the way that people... We want to show our numbers. Well, put a petition together and then you'll know the number on the last line of the spreadsheet. And he, from one to whatever that number is, that's your number. If they're not willing to put their name on it, put it in writing, the march doesn't mean anything. That's all that matters. We're going to march for free school lunches. Or we can go around and take donations. Hey. It's it's simple. And th these are the fundamental reasons <laughs> that I have such a, a hard time. Um, once you start getting past the, hey, I really love your voice. And Michael, you're not a bad looking guy. And, you know, you, you do this and you do that. Great. I, I know I do those things, number one, because I enjoy them. Two, I possess those traits because they are desirable to the community around me, sometimes specifically to the opposite sex. 
I'm not saying that you don't have other intentions when you're opening her car door, but that's just one piece of what's going on. Just because you bring home bread does not mean the sandwich has all the other ingredients. It is part of a larger, for me, a larger equation, a larger recipe of things. And it's great to have somebody that you find very attractive and they do this and they're sassy and they're physically intense, maybe even very skilled. But it drives me the other direction if I can't trust you to do what I would consider to be intellectually responsible, which is have discussions and answer questions. And if you don't know something, great. Find out information or talk about it, whatever it might be. Just admit you don't know it. You don't care. That's fine, That's fine too. I'm going to tell you that on a variety of subjects. But honesty is my, as I've begun to say, honesty is my only policy. And what have I said so many times in the podcast, right? There's a sign over my door that says, dishonesty is not welcome here. You know? And I've, um, I I can't remember who I wrote this to this week, but I was writing either a letter or an email. And I wrote uh, something at the bottom that said, uh, it's kind of like my closing line. I said, if, if he cannot lead by example, he's no man to follow. I, yeah. Anyway. I'm going to wrap this up. i, I got to get back from, uh, from my lunch break. It's a beautiful Tuesday, August the 9th at this point. And uh, I hope that you guys just enjoy your week. And if you're listening for the first time or the last time, <laughs> I appreciate your time. And um, feedback is always welcome. I have a, a few things I'll go over on the next episode. I had promised to go through the uh, girlfriend application I'd put together on my, on my website. I've also got three or four new writing pieces that uh, I was going to dive into. But uh, the, the prominent uh, social inquiries, the, the questions that I've gotten more recently, have been centered around the whole, you know, it's coming to the end of summer and dating and, you know, Michael, would you exp- why are you single? Like, you, you've got these things. So there's a little more of that information, and there's more to come. Thank you for listening to another episode of Michael L. Craver Presents and Exercising the First Step in Any Process. Feel free to like, subscribe, share it with someone. It's on every streaming platform from Stitcher to iTunes, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Amazon Music. Or ask Alexa to play Michael L. Craver Presents. Enjoy your day.